Morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing fine. And you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Okay. Well, that's great. Welcome to A Life in Biography. Thank you very much. I'm really thrilled to be with you. Good. Um, we're going to be speaking, of course, about your uh, recording of the second volume of my Faulkner biography, This Alarming Paradox. But before we get specifically into that, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into audio books. Okay. Uh, well, I uh, uh, came to audio books in a sort of a roundabout way. I, uh, first of all, was uh, am the son of a newspaper man and a person who loved uh, good writing. And so I grew up in a house full of books and, and as a result, have been all my life a compulsive reader. Um, and uh, what happened was that during the course of my career, I discovered what we used to call books on tape. And this was probably 25 years ago. Uh, and I used to go to the library and uh, uh, used, listen to these books on tape, which were then literally on tape, on tape cassettes. Right. Uh, on my commute to and from work. I live outside of Washington, D.C. And, and had worked there for many years in town. So I had a, a fairly substantial commute and I realized I can read even while I'm driving by listening to audiobooks. And I, I sort of became hooked. Yeah, and that's, that, that's uh, my experience too. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that was really the genesis of my interest in audiobooks. I've, I've listened to probably a couple of thousand of them over the years. And so uh, uh, when I retired a few years ago, I thought to myself, well, now what am I going to do with my time? And I thought, well, this is my chance to do something that I've always wanted to do. And immediately narrating audiobooks came to mind. During the course of my life, a couple of times, people had said to me, had asked me, uh, uh, whether I was had ever been on radio or things like that, they said I had an interesting voice, which I, having heard myself on tape, didn't quite believe. But uh, <laughs> but but when they did that, combined with the fact that uh, I'd always been fascinated by audiobooks, I thought, well, let's give it a try, and so I jumped in, and through Audible and Amazon, was able to establish myself as a narrator and begin to look for books that I could uh, propose to narrate. When I came across this book, uh, there were a number of things that really got me excited about it. Uh, uh, one thing was that a compulsive reader that I am, one of the authors who I have never really tackled, never read much of was Faulkner. And I thought, okay, well, here's an, here's an, an opportunity to have an excuse to read <laughs> a lot more Faulkner because it would help me in narrating this book. Um, and so I jumped in and I was thrilled when uh, you accepted my audition and, uh, and got into the book. And in fact, during the course of narrating the book, I read all of Faulkner's novels. In, wow. In chronological order, which was great because the book goes through them in chronological order. So I was sort of keeping up. My narration was keeping up with my reading, and I think it you, helped a lot. You're my ideal reader. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
right. that takes that takes a huge amount of commitment uh, to uh, to read every every book in chronological order. That's for sure. Well, and it it does, but it's but but really, it's sort of the best of both worlds for me because I love narrating books. I love uh, participating in the world of audiobooks, and as a compulsive reader. Uh, the opportunity to jump in with an author who I frankly have always been daunted by reading. Yes. You know, I think as many people are, it's, uh, it takes commitment to read any of his books and, uh, um, but the rewards are great. Well, that's, that's my feeling. Needless to say, I wanted to uh, uh, ask you to talk a bit about, you mentioned reading Faulkner, of course, um, Sometimes people ask me, well, why don't you narrate your, vo your, your books? Your, your voice is fine. You could do it. And there are a number of reasons why I haven't. Um, it takes a lot of time yes. to do an audio book. It's not just a matter of sitting down and reading the book. And you can tell us about that. The other thing is it has to be done professionally. And by that, I mean, you've got to have a really good microphone uh, if you're doing it at home, you have to have a really good home studio. If you don't have something at home, that means renting studio time. There, so it's not just a matter of time. It's a matter of expense. And of course, as you say, again, commitment. Um, so maybe you could say a little bit about how, how you did the book. Okay. Um, well, I, uh, I agree with everything you said and, and, uh, uh, the first thing I did when I first decided to go into narration was I thought, um, you know, there is a there is a, a cost and investment. I I had to buy some equipment, including a very good microphone and uh, some software, some very sophisticated software, uh, which is called Studio One is the one that I use. There are a number of of software packages that you use that you can use for uh, uh, both recording music and also recording uh, audiobooks. And so I, I had to invest in those things and then I had to learn how to use them, which was a, a really a big deal. So the technology, as you know, I'm, I wear at least two hats in doing a book because I'm both narrator and producer. So I have to not only narrate the book, but then I have to take the narration that I've done and uh, optimize it for sound and make sure that it is uh, acceptable uh, uh, in terms of the technical guidelines that Amazon and Audible have. Um, and there's a lot that goes into that. I have to essentially edit what I've done and go back and reread re-narrate sections that I might have missed something or that I wasn't happy about. So th there's a big part of that. And so I, I really went online and connected with a lot of people who had done this, who do this now, who narrate books, to find out how to set up my infrastructure. So I did that. And then I carved out a space. And this is going to sound funny for people who haven't thought about it before, but it's, it's very common in the narration world. I set up a space in one of the closets in, in, in my house. Oh yeah. Um, and because it's a very nice enclosed space, I bought some curtains that are sound baffling curtains. I sort of 
did all of the, the things that people who know about these things say to do to make that a, a, a studio, a narration studio. And so that's where I do all of my narration. Uh, and so that's a big deal. And, and that's the technical side and the sort of infrastructure side. And then, uh, uh, and I should say parenthetically, it is not inexpensive to do any of the things that I just said. <laughs> and uh, uh, I have a new respect for authors now because I realize that, that one should never ask an author or a narrator about their uh, hourly rate because uh, the number of hours one puts into these enterprises uh, is enormous. I like to say I work for minimum wage. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Exactly. I'm, I'm going to steal that. Uh, but, but, you know, you work for having a passion for doing it. And that's, that's what I like. And whenever my wife asks about uh, my, my career in narration, I, I tell her, you know, I've, I've, I've made hundreds of dollars doing this. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but I, but I love it. And so, so the technology side, the infrastructure side is something that you have to be willing to take on. And so, you know, you're right when you say commitment, I think if someone is thinking about doing this, uh, you've got to be ready to put that kind of both financial and time and effort commitment into doing it. And you've got to, if you live in a house with people, as I do with my wife, we, uh, you have to have some buy-in from them because there are times when I have to turn off the air conditioner or the heat, <laughs> you know, the furnace in our house, sure. making too much noise. I sure. have to send her into a quiet space so I don't hear her or her television or anything else. So there's, it's a, it's a commitment that where if you're doing it from home, uh, uh, everybody has to buy in. That's right. I have a Scotty right now b b beside me. Uh, <laughs> people may be able to pick up her, her pacing the floor. I, the only way I can stop her from doing that is by constantly petting her, which she agrees to. Yeah, that's uh, right. But you can't do that when you're narrating books. Um, what you're describing is not just reading a book, but as you say, it's a production. Uh, and this is a production that's going to be monitored, in this case by uh, Audible, uh, which is an Amazon company. I wanted to say a little bit about that, not, not to promote uh, Audible, so to speak, although I am an Audible customer, as, as well as producing uh, with you, in this case, uh, uh, a book. But because it's given authors control uh, in a way that, you know, I've had other, uh, when publishers, certain contracts, publishers have had the audio rights. And for instance, my, my book, American Isis, The Life and Art of Sylvia Plath, uh, the publisher had world rights, including audiobook rights, and there is an audiobook version. And that narrator uh, never even contacted me. Yeah. Because his business relationship was with the publisher. Right. Not with the author. And what happens in a case like that? And it invariably happens. And I say this because like you, I've been listening to recorded books for decades. And it's so annoying when you're when you're you know, when you're um, uh, I taught literature for decades. When you're a literary person, 
and you'll hear someone read the book and they sound very authoritative, except that they keep mispronouncing words. Yes. And they, and often, uh, you know, characters in your, if it's a novelist, in the author's book, and you realize they haven't done what you did, which is a huge commitment, that is, read all of Faulkner, and they haven't done what you did, which was we consulted about the pronunciation of certain right. names and words and so on. And I remember in one case, in a word, I was positive that a word was pronounced a certain way, <laughs> and you were able to show me that the word was not pronounced that way. So I've learned, you know, certain things from you in doing the book. And I learned things about my book when I have a really good narrator. I had as a, as a guest um, uh, a biographer on James McGrath Morris, who talked about how when he was working on Tony Hillerman, for example, mm. he would not only read Tony Hillerman's novels, but he would read the recorded book of that novel because yeah. it slowed him down. And it got him to think about what Hillerman was doing in his novels. And when uh, uh, Jamie Morris, um, when his biography was complete and he was looking around for an audiobook narrator, of course, the only choice for him was the, the man who had narrated Tony Hillerman's novel so that he could narrate the biography. And, and Morris was fortunate enough to get that narrator. So it makes a difference. Yeah. Uh, the author can collaborate in the recording, even if the author is not reading the book. It makes a huge difference. I, I agree completely. And in fact, I was thrilled to see that you were the person I was going to be working with because I've been on both ends of that. I have worked with uh, uh, rights holders, as they are called. Yeah. The person who has the rights to the audiobook, which is, as you say, very often is the publisher. And uh, they're uh, interest uh, really don't have to do with uh, the, uh, they, they obviously are looking for high quality work, but they're, all, but they're really worried about getting this thing done and yeah. getting it posted. Um, and so there's a real removal between the sort of passion that a narrator has to bring to the work and the person they're doing it for. And so working with you, it's very, uh, uh, I have a very long, uh, very old uh, connection with theater in that I was a theater major in, as an undergraduate, and I did a lot of acting, uh, stage acting. And one of the things that I quickly learned as an actor was that my job was to do justice to the, the words that the playwright had written and also to the director's interpretation of that play. And similarly, my commitment to you as the author is to try to render your book uh, in the way that, that does honor to the book and that doesn't tr in any way undermine or undo what you were trying to do. Yeah, yeah. I'm very sympathetic to that because I started out as a theater major and I did some acting and I think it's had an impact on my writing and it certainly has had an impact on the way I do this podcast and any kind of public speaking that I do. My background in theater, I think, has been extremely important uh, because when you're doing an audio book uh, and that's why it is not always, but often a mistake for the author to read his own work. Uh -huh. uh, there's a particular journalist who reads his own own work and he's actually not very good at it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I have I have encountered that. In fact, I just recently listened to an audio book where I uh, in which I thought uh, I really wish you hadn't done this because <laughs> it was it was undermining the uh, the pleasure that I was getting out of it. Yeah. Now, one of the things you do, uh, which is ex extremely good, uh, is there's a lot of, there's a lot of quoting of Faulkner in my biography. And uh, there are recordings of Faulkner, so we can know what his voice sounded like. As people listen to you, if they know what Faulkner's voice sounded like, it doesn't sound like you. <laughs> yeah, right. But, you, you know, you're bringing something. You are, in a sense, acting Faulkner. And I have to say, after listening, you know, to hours and hours and hours of recordings of Faulkner, you got him just right. And it's, it's, it's the tone of the voice. But it's also the pacing uh, that's extremely important so that there are times in your recording of uh, my biography where I feel I'm in the room with Faulkner. Uh, and I don't often get that kind of experience in an audio book. Uh, and with other, you know, I've worked with a lot of narrators through Audible uh, and no one has quite approached it. And that's why we're doing this podcast, frankly, no one has quite approached the, the biography with, with, um, with the finesse you're, you're exhibiting. Well, thank you, first of all, for the kind words. I really appreciate it. And, and I, uh, uh, it was not an easy uh, decision to make to do that. Um, one, of the, one of the things that a narrator has to do when they start out with a book is, is of course, read it through more than once and to get a sense of it and to try to anticipate how it's going to work. And I realized with this one that uh, because it's a biography you, and because Faulkner was a very famous person and he was in the 20th, from the 20th century. And so he, uh, there, are, there are a lot of extant, as you say, recordings of him, but also a lot of materials uh, otherwise available to were available to you that you utilized. And so what I found as I was reading through initially was that you might in the course of a page or two uh, include quotes from four or five different people, from, from fellow authors, from people who had worked with him in Hollywood, from reviewers who had reviewed his books. And interspersed with those would be quotes from Faulkner. And typically when you uh, narrate a nonfiction book, your job is to not play a character. Yeah. It's to uh, be the narrator and be the authoritative voice of the author. My concern in doing that was that there, there might be a lot of times when the words I'm reading are Faulkner's words and that wouldn't be uh, easy for a listener necessarily to realize they're, they're now listening to Faulkner's words, even though 10 seconds earlier, they were listening to a quotation from someone else. So uh, I, I went to the University of Virginia archive of uh, Faulkner's work there as the writer in residence. And there is a wealth of, uh, of recorded materials from him. And when I listened to him talking, I, I, I just fell in love with his voice and uh, with his beautiful uh, 
uh, Mississippi accent. And uh, it reminded me, in fact, of uh, Shelby Foote's accent in, yes. in the uh, Civil War series by Ken Burns, which, with which I also fell in love, and I think a lot of other people did too. Shelby Foote was an author, also from Mississippi, and actually knew Faulkner and spent some time with him. Um, and so I thought that that was such a compelling experience in that Civil War uh, series, I thought maybe I should give this a shot. And so I began to work with those recordings of Faulkner. And as you say, try to, the goal was not to do an imitation of him. The goal was to try to sort of capture the essence of how he spoke. Um, so there was the accent, there was a, a, a very specific cadence. Uh, although he had a strong accent, uh, he uh, spoke sort of formally, uh, which I really appreciated. And, uh, and then he had some verbal uh, characteristics that were repeatable that I could sort of throw in, for example, any word that ended in ing, he left the G off at the end. Yeah. And uh, even though, even when he was speaking very formally, um, so there were a number of those kinds of things that I could latch on to that I thought sort of made it sound more like him. Uh, so, uh, I, and you've asked me to read a little bit and I will yeah. give a sense for that. Um, but making the decision was difficult because I was sort of breaking the rule of nonfiction work, but I really felt that a listener should know when they're hearing Faulkner's voice. Well, the, the impact on me, and of course I'm, prejudice, but the impact on me is that uh, I like the way you read the whole book, but, you know, when I'm, when, especially in the sections where I'm dealing with his work, and then you get his comments on it, he's asked a question maybe at the University of Virginia or somewhere else in Japan or whatever, uh, and I always, once, once I hear that Faulkner voice, I keep thinking, okay, 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 when is it going to happen again? Yeah, <laughs> I really, I really like that. That's, and I, that's something I haven't ex experienced in that way in an audio book before. But as a biographer who, like you, has saturated myself into uh, really studying Faulkner's voice, uh, and this, this is a little off topic, but the way I wrote the biography, I consider in a, a Faulknerian sort of way. Um, which also means commitment, yes. uh, a challenge on the reader's reader's part. But I, I, I've always been so inspired by Faulkner. I thought, well, I'm not going to be any any less challenging or, or demand any less of a commitment than he does. Isn't that interesting? I hadn't thought of it that way, but I I see exactly what you're saying because it is it is a challenging book to write to read, uh, and uh, but. You know, the, uh, as with reading Faulkner, the reward is uh, is worth the effort. Yeah, that's what I hope. So maybe maybe you should read that example. OK, well, so uh, I've got a piece here of uh, that I've sort of selected out of uh, I believe this is chapter six, which is go down Moses uh, and. Uh, I, I selected this in part uh, because it talks about um, uh, uh, the war and his funny connections with uh, um, World War One, 
and, and, and which he didn't fight, but he likes people to think he did. And uh, uh, also about, he's really talking about World War II as well. Um, and he also talks about writing. So I'm just going to, uh, I'm going to start uh, with, it took more than a year to work out what to do with interrelated short stories. He fretted about this business in Europe, the war. What a hell of a time we are facing, he wrote Hobbes. Faulkner could still fit into his World War I uniform. The wings look as brave as they ever did. I swore then when I took it off in 19 that I would never wear another. No how, no where, for no one. But now I don't know. Of course, I could do no good. Would last about two minutes in combat. But my feeling now is better so that what will be left after this one will certainly not be worth living for. Maybe the watching of all this coming to a head for the last year is why I can't write. Don't seem to want to write, that is. But I can write, by which he meant he was not written out and still wanted to scratch the face of the supreme obliteration and leave a decipherable scar of some sort. The very technology that could destroy a thousand lives, he proposed, might also preserve, even by blind mischance and a minute fault in gears or timing, some scrap here and there, provided it was ever worth preserving. So that's a good example in part because you are really framing all of his quotes. Yes. So it's a jumping from the narrator's voice to his voice, to the narrator's voice. And, uh, and I think, again, from my point of view, it was establishing clarity for the reader as to who's talking. Yes, I, ha I have to say, you know, in listening to the book, too, it's, it's like, you know, you write a book. I do have Faulkner's voice in my head when I'm writing the book. Sure. But in an audio book, it's like, hey, I got him into the book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. Right. And that's that was one of the things that I noticed as I was narrating is that you almost on every page, some of his words appear. So yeah. his voice is riding throughout the book. And that really helped me as a narrator, because I was consistently reminded who we were talking about and what his thoughts were. Yeah. And they were not always uh, they were not always uh, nice thoughts. He was as human as anyone else. Um, That's right. Yeah, he certainly had his his, his uh, nasty periods, nasty remarks, uh, things which today are called politically incorrect. He did yep. it all. Yes, that's for sure. So, Is there anything I should have asked you that I didn't ask you? Well, I think there's there's one thing that I think uh, uh, is fun to think about if you don't narrate but it's it's one of the big challenges with narration and you talked you you mentioned it earlier which is pronunciation issues which uh i i i once told someone who was a school teacher had been a in fact an english teacher that i was doing these audiobook narrations and she said well that must be the easiest thing in the world i mean i can read a book aloud yeah and I thought, well, yeah, uh, uh, you could, um, but uh, <laughs> I could write a novel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, if you if you could, then do it. Yeah, 
exactly right. <laughs> and uh, and at that time, I had just come out of uh, an issue with this book, which was that uh, Mita Carpenter, who was one of Faulkner's lovers while he was still married, uh, is a very, very important person in particularly the first half of this book. And a lot yeah. of time is spent with her. Um, and uh, when I first encountered her name, I thought, okay, is it Mita or Meta? Yeah. And I thought, well, uh, you know, thank God that I live in the age of YouTube because almost every pronunciation you need, you can find someone mentioning a famous person uh, or you can find them, them themselves talking. And so, but I could not find anyone saying the name Mita Carpenter. Hmm. And I was very, very frustrated. And I thought, well, I've just got to plow here. And so uh, what I should have done was written you a note, which I had done before. Uh, but I just made a decision. I'm going to call her Meta. Meta Carpenter. And so I was reading the book, reading the book, reading the book. And I, and I got far, pretty far into it. And I was in a, a section about Mita, and I thought, you know, I've got to get this right. I've got to nail this down. So I, by chance, uh, I had found some YouTube videos of you talking about this book. Oh, YouTube. yeah. And uh, in sort of interview fashion. And so I was listening to one of those for a completely different reason. And you said in sort of a throwaway line, uh, something along the lines of, uh, well, and you know, uh, when he was when he was with me to Carpenter, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I thought, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Me to. So yeah. I literally had to go back through the book oh, dear. and yeah. find every instance of her name uh, uh, through the first half of the book and yeah. fix it re and, you know, re-narrate re it, read over it. And... Uh, uh, that took a lot of time and effort. And so those kinds of little things, when my wife is saying, why does this take so long? <laughs> I, uh, I just have to say, you know, you don't want to, you don't even want to know about pronunciations like Mita and yeah. and those sorts of things that uh, you, you, that are not easy to track down. You know, before I knew how her name was pronounced, I used to say Meta. Uh, long, long ago, uh -huh. and occasionally it creeps in. Someone might buy, might find somewhere that I actually call her Meta, but it, but you are quite right. It is, it is Meta. Uh, I had the pleasure, and this is something you couldn't have had access to. It's not readily available, but there is an archive at the University of Mississippi, and it's the audio recordings that she did with her collaborator on her memoir. Wow! Uh, it, and it was just fantastic. Uh, not only because she said things that aren't in her book, but just just to hear her. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I, I had heard her. I actually met her once in Hollywood. Oh, really? Yeah. When I was working on a different biography of, uh, of Lillian Hellman, because her her husband, Arthur Wilde, had had some dealings with with uh, Hellman. Uh, and, and I met her in her apartment uh, in California. Uh, but that was that was long, long ago. And uh, I remember certain vivid things from it. Uh, but yeah, the names, the names are important. And maybe a lot of listeners, you know, don't know that. But 
if they read books and who's going to, who's going to listen to a Faulkner biography, probably right. either someone in a sense like you who says, well, I've always meant to do Faulkner, you know, and I'm going to start reading him and so on. And they might look at things, you know, like YouTube, Mm -hmm. uh, either him speaking or I've done a lot of social media, a lot of things that appear now on YouTube. So there are a lot of ways to, to find out those things. And, and I'm thinking, you know, it really is important. Uh, it, it's important, I think, for, for me as a biographer and for you as a narrator to, you know, to, in a sense, own this material and, you know, feel you're doing it right. And that's why it's to go back to an earlier point. It's so upsetting uh, when people say things like, for instance, there's an audio book of uh, a Sylvia Plath novel, and the author keeps saying, Yeats, Yeats, the oh, other no. poet. Yes. Okay. And it's just, it, it just, I cringe yeah. every time I hear, and he says it with such authority, yeah. <laughs> you know, in an English accent, and he still gets it wrong. Uh, that kind of thing just drives me crazy. Yeah. Well, uh, me as well. And in fact, during the course of uh, reading, I tend very frequently, if I really care about a book, I will read the book, but I'll also listen to the audio tape. And yeah. so I'm simultaneously to the audio tape. That shows my age, to the audio book. Um, uh, and in fact, there are some wonderful, wonderful renderings of Faulkner's novels. But uh, in... Uh, a couple of them, there are mispronunciations of names. And it just jumps me right out of the the uh, flow of the novel. Because, That's right. It throws you off. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, it makes me, suddenly I'm aware that there was a person reading this that I'm not really needing the book and that person didn't do their homework enough or their producer didn't do their homework. Uh, it's very frustrating. So uh, as a matter of quality, it's very important to me that I track down every one of those things. And uh, and I, I still live in fear that somehow I'm, I missed one of my metas and that it's lurking <laughs> in those chapters. Yeah. So, so I apologize. Yeah, sure. That same fear. <laughs> it's, it's true. I'm going to spring a surprise on you. Okay. Uh, maybe it's a surprise. Maybe it isn't. And you don't have to comment on it. Okay. I, I just gonna, want to plant this seed. I'm coming out with a book uh, this fall, which is called William Faulkner Day by Day. And it's an attempt to find out what he was doing every day of his life. And wow. needless to say, there are lots of excerpts from his letters and other people you know, talking about him and so on. If I can, if I, if I can find the date, whatever the date is, that, that's related to Faulkner, it goes into that book. So it'll be a kind of reference book, but it will be a kind of fun book that you could just dip into. You know, it won't that. be a narrative. It'll be, in a sense, it'll be all the raw data. Yeah. You know, and you can you can write your own biography based on this book. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's so I may I may be in touch again. Well, I would, I would be, I would truly, the answer is yes. So I'm happy to do it. I yeah. would love to do it. And, I, you know, it's really funny. I love that sort of uh, rendering. Uh, you know, there are sometimes you'll see, uh, for example, if you're reading about the Civil War, there will be a sort of a day by day. Uh, yeah. rendering of what was happening on that day in, in a given year in the Civil War. I love those things yeah. because it reminds you 
that, uh, you know, William Faulkner doesn't disappear for two years and then reappear when he has a book and then disappear yeah. and reappear when he wins the Nobel Prize. Every one of those minutes in between those events, he is doing something. And if you're fascinated by him, you're going to be fascinated by that. That's right. Yeah. And in a sense, it's a, there's a lot of a lot of stuff that gets left out of biography sure. because you can't put in everything. Yeah. So here's a book where I put in everything. <laughs> right. right. Well, I'm looking forward to it and I hope we have a chance to work together again. Yes, I do, too. Thanks very much, David. This has just been wonderful. Thank you very much. And it's a pleasure to talk. Thank you. I'm going to post this online and you'll be able to uh, broadcast it to the world. Great. I will do that. Okay. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Sure. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.